What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode seven of Courtside Views. I'm your host, Andrew Bostic. I hope everyone had an incredible holiday weekend with their families, and hopefully everyone was able to check out the incredible slate of NBA games from Christmas Day. Before we get into the Western Conference All-Star previews, we gotta talk about these games. Each game was either a close matchup, coming down to the wire, or you had to be the Atlanta Hawks, who was in the middle of Kemba Walker's revenge tour, who burned them for the first triple-double on Christmas Day in Knicks history in 58 games. Kemba Walker is absolutely on fire, coming off an Eastern Conference Player of the Week, tells you looking at Tom Thibodeau and saying, you're a moron, you shouldn't have benched me. But here we are. That wasn't even the game of the day. We have two games of the day candidates versus the Western Conference powerhouses of the Warriors versus the Suns, or you have the choice of the Lakers versus the Nets, where LeBron essentially went back to every year from the past, you know, 17 years of showing he's still the best player in the NBA, or at least trying to show that he is. Warriors and Suns, Warriors win 116-107. Curry, not really his best game. He does put up 33 points, but he goes 10 of 27 from the field and 5 of 16 from three. That man will never stop shooting, and I love it. Draymond Green holds this team together. Draymond Green is playing fantastic. I love everything about him. He is going to get some MVP love just based on the fact of what he's been able to do on the offensive and defensive end. He doesn't get enough credit on the offensive end. He finishes with an incredible stat line of eight points, 10 boards, eight assists, three blocks, and three steals. There is no player in the league that is able to put up a stat line like that, as well as being efficient and finishing with a plus 26. The man's incredible. You love to see it, and I'm happy to see Draymond back, and hopefully when Clay gets there, that magic comes back as well. Booker was cold tonight. Booker was cold. This was not his best game. 5 of 19 from the field and only finishing with 13 points. Did not make a single three in the game. It was tough. CP3 held it together. 21 points, 8 assists, and only 2 turnovers. Did have 2 steals, but unfortunately the role players played a huge factor in this. And Otto Porter swung in a smooth 19, playing a little bit of small ball 5 next to um, Steph Curry when Draymond Green was on the bench. And he played well. Grabbed 6 boards as well. And unfortunately, you know, you really didn't get a lot of bench production from the Suns, uh, besides Cam Johnson pouring in 13. Heading over to the Nets-Lakers. Nets pull out a win. No Kevin Durant. No Kyrie. All James Harden. James Harden. 36 points, 10 assists, 10 boards. He's doing everything and anything, and he's being extremely efficient. I've talked about him in the past, about how this is the worst season James Harden has had in the past seven years, and he's been extremely efficient comes back from his COVID break and just blows the doors off and he's ready to go. He clearly is proving he's an alpha dog. Can he do this and sustain this efficiency while playing with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? Usually the answer should be yes, but you never know. It's James Harden. His running mate for this game was none other than the Australian demon, Patty Mills. Patty Mills threw in a cool 34-7 and seven while shooting 8 of 13 from 3. Absolutely incredible. He uh, he had the ultimate green light in this lineup right now. He can do anything he wants. He comes off screens, essentially like a little Steph Curry light. He's coming off back doors. He's coming off you know elevator screens. He looks amazing. And Patty Mills is only making $5 million a year. That man wants to win a ring, and you got to give it to him. LeBron James carried this team on his back and dragged Russell Westbrook to the finish line, and it still wasn't enough. LeBron had 39 points. Nine boards, seven assists, and did everything. He did shoot three three of nine from three. Unfortunately, it wasn't his best game that way, but he was blocking shots, finished two blocks, two steals, did it on the defensive end as well. He's here. 
it's so good to see LeBron being this alpha aggressive player that he is. LeBron could score 40 points on any given night, but he is such a team player. He does want to get the offense involved. And you really have to balance it out when you're playing with Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook filled up the stats. 13 points, 12 assists, 11 boards. Looked great. Shot 4 of 20 from the field. 0 of 3. He's just not what this team needs in any way, shape, or form. I've said it before. I'll say it again. It doesn't make sense when this team is healthy. They were playing LeBron at the small ball five. That's where this team is at right now. Playing LeBron at the five. The matchups don't make sense. None of this makes sense. You have to, at some point, make changes. And I don't even want to really go too deep into it, but it has to happen because you cannot expect to make a championship run with Russell Westbrook here going 4 of 20 from the field and just completely stopping your offense. And you didn't have Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving on the court. What does that matchup look like when they do have those on the court? Yeah, you get Anthony Davis back. I get that. But Russell Westbrook is a pure negative on the court when he's playing with these two. Something needs to happen. Something needs to change. And hopefully something happens fast. These Christmas games are fantastic. You also have the Mavs versus the Jazz in a close one of 116-112. The Jazz squeaking that out. It was awesome. It was a great city games. And it just gets me excited for what the rest of the season has to offer. Christmas games, always the best time of year. Last week, after featuring the Eastern Conference All-Star previews, this week, it's only right, we finished off with the Western Conference. Here, hopping into the starters, starting lineup is Steph Curry, Chris Paul, LeBron James, Paul George, and Nikolai Jokic. A couple of interesting combos, and here's a big reason why. Starting off with Steph Curry, the most obvious choice for Western Conference All-Star starter. He is 28-5-6, shooting 13.5 threes per game. He is second in the NBA in scoring. With that kind of attempts, you would think he's not shooting officially. He's shooting 40% from the field. For three years in a row, he has upped his attempts from three-point range, and he is still shooting over 40% from three, which is absolutely freaking insane. Steph Curry is doing things that nobody in the NBA has ever seen. He is changing the game, and he is just doing it. And being able to do it at a winning level, now that all the injuries are gone, everyone's coming back healthy, they're ready to go, they're ready to contend. And he is a massive part of that. The entire offense rolls around him. He has a plus on defense for the first time in his career. That has never happened before. Steph Curry is doing it on both sides. He's getting involved more. He's getting in the paint more. He's starting the break more. He's incredible. They have the best record in the league. And it all flows through Steph Curry on the offensive end. And it's amazing. Chris Paul deserves to start. Statistically-wise, you're going to look at him and say, oh, he's only averaging 16 points. He's leading the league in assists. Yes, he's the only player averaging 10 assists. He has an incredible assist-to-turnover ratio at four assists to one turnover, which is amazing. The Suns have the number three offense in basketball. Chris Paul is the engine. Chris Paul is having a very comparable season to Steve Nash during his back-to-back MVP seasons. His PER is very similar to those. He, Granted, it's not a seven-seconds or less offense in the same Suns, but he is flowing in an incredible pick-and-roll offense. He's making JaVale McGee look like a bona fide NBA starter. Him, DeAndre Aiden. You have him and small ball guys like Mikael Bridges doing pick-and-rolls. You've even seen a couple of guard-to-guard pick-and-rolls with him and Devin Booker, which is just throwing complete defenses off. Chris Paul can pick you apart, and that mid-range pull-up is something lethal. He deserves every bit to start. 
he's doing this at such an incredible age of 36 years old. It doesn't make sense. You can make the case for John Morant. You can make the case for Donovan Mitchell. You can even make the case for Luka Doncic. But Chris Paul deserves every bit of this. He's an analytic beast. He is running an efficient offense. And the stats are there as well. He's not a high-flying scoring of 25 to 30 points. He's an efficient player. He's an incredible player. And Chris Paul deserves to start in the Western Conference All-Star game. My other surprise, Paul George. I think Paul George, while he's not having an MVP-level career so far, compared to where he was in OKC and being that dude, he's still playing incredibly. He's still being that guy while Kawhi Leonard's gone. He's averaging 25 points, 7 boards, and and 5.5 assists. He's still shooting the ball lights out. He's averaging just under three threes a game while shooting 37%. He is efficient. He's out here. He's also a two-way beast. He always has been. He is a legendary defender. He goes back to those Pacers days where he's making LeBron James sweat when those Cavaliers in Miami Heat matchups. You love to see Paul George be that guy, especially after that whole playoff P thing. Paul George is awesome. Paul George is incredible. And what he's been able to do this year and keep the Clippers essentially afloat as a one-man offense Reggie Jackson is his running mate. <laughs> if Reggie Jackson's your number two, you got problems. But right now, that's what he's doing. He's playing with guys like Reggie Jackson. He's playing with a reclamation project and Eric Bledsoe helping run an offense. Trey Mann's here. Luke Kennard. A bunch of role players are on this team, and he has them at the number six seed in, in the West. And for him to be able to do that is incredible. And he deserves a lot of credit here. And he deserves a start. And you're going to see him starting in the front coat. Next to the ageless wonder, LeBron James. LeBron James has been hurt, had COVID, so kind of removing the games from it, it's going to be a little bit tough. But he's also one of the most popular players in the NBA. From the fan vote alone, LeBron can play in one game, and he's going to be the all-star starter. You pretty much have to pencil LeBron in. LeBron's also averaging 27 points. He's averaging seven assists and seven boards. Typical LeBron numbers, while also shooting 52% from the field. He's doing it with arguably having his worst starting lineup since his early Cavaliers days, since he started to move on to the Miami Heat, then back to the Cavs, now with the Lakers, you can argue that this is the worst starting line of LeBron James has ever played with, which is insane when you have two superstars in Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis. The only problem is the fits around him make absolutely no sense. LeBron is having to do way too much. He's playing the most minutes that he's played in over six years at 37 minutes per game. LeBron is getting older, but playing more minutes. And he's focusing way too much on the regular season because he does not want to be in that playing tournament again. He doesn't want to be a part of it. He saw what happened last year when they had to fight their way and crawl their way and then lose to the Suns. It's not what he's trying to do. He wants to be a top six seed. He wants to fight and claw to try and get a top four seed to get home court advantage. But that's not going to happen when you have Russell Westbrook on this team. I'm going to pray and say it over and over and over. Russell Westbrook is not a fit for LeBron James. A 30% three-point shooter, that's great he can fill the stats. That's incredible that you can average a double-double. When you're playing with LeBron James, you're not going to have the ball that much. You have to be able to space the floor. You have to be efficient. And you can't lead the league in turnovers. You can't be the third star turning the ball over that much. It just can't happen. LeBron James is doing everything he can for this team. He has all-star numbers. And he's top five in the league in scoring. He's here for it. LeBron is a low-key MVP candidate. The games probably aren't going to be there, but he's putting a lot of pressure on those top guys like Jokic, like Durant, and Curry. He's unfortunately putting way too much effort into the regular season, which you hate to see for this guy whose only focus is to win NBA championships. But it's what he's got to do right now with this team. And unless a trade's going to get made, and unless you try and go for a guy like Jeremy Grant, who's been in rumors, 
this is going to be what it is. He's going to have to focus on the regular season, and he's going to be up there in minutes. And he's currently in the top three of minutes per game for NBA players, and that's not a good sign. And the last and final spot, Nikolai Jokic. Jokic has better numbers than he did last year when he was the MVP. Jokic is playing out of his freaking mind. No Murray, no P.J. Dozier, no Michael Porter. What is he supposed to do? Aaron Gordon is out with COVID. Just everyone under the sun, just gone, completely gone. So what does he do? 26 points, 14 boards, 7 assists, almost 2 threes a game. He, The fact that he has such an insane usage rate of almost 38%, and he doesn't average over 4 turnovers a game, with the amount that he physically has the ball, and the amount that he has to create in this offense, is such a tip of the cap to who he is as a player. He is the definition of a unicorn. To be able to be that size, that big, and play make from the post, from the paint, pick and roll, pick and pop as both a roller and a ball handler, he is doing things that players just haven't seen. I don't want to say that he's changing the game in that sense, like Steph Curry, but you don't see that point forward type like him ever. LeBron James is a point forward. LeBron James is also a physical specimen. Nikola Jokic is seven feet. About 265, 270, bringing the ball up like a point guard and making plays. I really hope Jamal Murray comes back at some point during the season. Um, I mean, it's just, you know, Michael Porter's not going to be out. Just give this man some help. He deserves to be in a Western Conference Finals. He deserves to be in an NBA Finals. And I don't want Jokic to be in his mid 30s and he's never been there like a Carmelo Anthony and like a Chris Paul. He's that kind of talent. When you have this MVP level talent and you just can't get, to that next level. I know they're young. I know they have a lot of opportunities, but you also have his two running mates who are extremely injury prone. You gave Michael Porter a big contract and his back is actually breaking by the day. And hopefully, hopefully he can figure it out and come back and be that number two or number three, which is totally fine. But Jamal Murray is coming up a torn ACL. He's had knee injuries in the past. He's had ankle injuries. He's had shoulder injuries. He has never played a full season his entire career. He is great when he's healthy. He's not really a big playmaker. He doesn't need to be a playmaker when you're playing with Jokic. He's never averaged more than four point assists. He's a great number two. He's an awesome guy. You saw what he did last year in the playoffs where they made, I mean, I'm sorry, two years ago in the playoffs and they made for the Western Conference Finals. Like he deserves a chance and I hope they get that and I hope they play healthy, but it's going to take a lot. And Jokic has a lot on his back right now. And thinking about everything that he's doing, Malone is still managing his minutes. We talk about what LeBron is dealing with right now at 37 minutes a game. Jokic is having 32.6. Almost five minutes less than LeBron James while the Nuggets are decimated with injuries and everything like that. Malone is not looking short-term with Jokic. He's saying, hey, we're still looking for the playoffs. We're still fighting for the playoffs, but we're not going to kill our star thinking about this year. They have a long-term game. The Lakers, unfortunately, don't have a long-term game. They don't have that. LeBron can't do that. So I'm glad that Jokic is able to do that, and that can happen. But he deserves all the credit in the world, and I think that as this continues to go, he's going to start to get a little bit more MVP talk. Very similar, but the way Kevin Durant and Steph Curry are playing, it's going to be damn tough to top one of those two players, and it's going to come down to those two. And I'm excited. I'm excited to see how it finishes, but Yoga deserves to be in that conversation, and he definitely deserves to be an All-Star starter. The first Western Conference All-Star reserve that I want to feature is somebody that essentially had a coming-out party last year in the playoffs against the Utah Jazz, and that is John Morant. John Morant came into the season with a big-ass chip on his shoulder. He had something to prove. The Grizzlies didn't really make moves thinking that 
you were really thinking short-term right now. They moved up in the draft to go get Zaire Williams. They moved off Jonas Valanciunas, brought in Steven Adams. That's not necessarily a win-now move, but they had so much faith in their young guys, and John Moran is the leader of that. While, yes, Desmond Bain is up in the up in the air for most approved player, John Moran is here. John Moran's averaging 24 points, 7 assists, 5 boards, shooting 48% from the field. John Moran is a budding superstar. John Moran's here. He's extremely athletic. He is shooting threes at a 35% clip, which he's never even come close to. The higher saver shot was 30% from three. So to be able to make such a huge jump is the big difference of why he's been so successful so far. He's averaging 1.5 threes per game. He's never averaged over one. So for him to be able to do that and be able to kind of extend his range and use his athleticism to be his main strength to get into the paint, dribble drives, kick out to JJJ, Desmond Bain, DeAnthony Melvin, and Dylan Brooks. This team is built for Ja and that grittiness around him because he is so skinny, six foot three, only 175. Surrounding him with these bigger players and these more aggressive players, he doesn't have to take on these massive defensive matchups, which he's still unfortunately negative at this point in his career. He's a little below average of a defender at that rate, but he's so high on the offensive end and his team is built around him defensively you're showing what it's like to be a young superstar to be successful and able to grow into your team. And you're seeing that success. You're seeing what the Grizzlies were able to do without him going on a nine and one streak, bringing him in and you don't skip a beat. John Morant is an all-star here and it's exciting to see him be able to take that step and say, okay, especially in a packed Western conference, John Morant is kicking out some top guards for this spot. And you're going to see it later on in the snubs where, some bona fide superstars are not going to make the team in this in this prediction. So John Moran deserves it. The Grizzlies deserve it. They deserve to take a bow being the top four seed in the Western Conference in a packed Western Conference. And John Moran's the head. He's the head of the snake. So it's exciting. Number two, Luka Doncic. Doncic is having a down year. And when your down year looks like 26, 8, and 8, that's a hell of a down year. That's a great time to have a down year. Head coaching change. Move off from McCarlisle, you bring in Jason Kidd. Luka Doncic was thrilled. What Luka Doncic wasn't thrilled about was that Jason Kidd wanted to move the ball out of Luka's hands. Luka had an insane usage rate last year at almost 37%. He really wanted to give him a break and say, hey, we have secondary playmakers. We have this budding superstar that Jason Kidd called and Chris Porzingis. He wanted to get more involved in the post. Well, it hasn't really worked out after being an incredible offensive team last year, finishing with a top three offense. They are currently ranked 24th. Yes, Luca has missed a lot of games. He has only played in 21 out of a potential 34. But Luca is still the cog that makes this team go. They don't have a lot of playmakers. Yes, Jalen Brunson is a wonderful story. He's cool. He's like a fun role player to love and like appreciate. But like he's Jalen Brunson. Don't act like he's anything special. You still have Tim Hardaway Jr., who's a great three-point shooter. Kristaps is, I don't really know, is he a superstar? Hell no. Is he an all-star? Also no. Is he a better role player? Yes. Is he a 20-10 and 10 guy? Probably not. He's more of a stretch 3 and D, very similar to how the Pacers are using Miles Turner, but Kristaps Porzingis has an ego, and he's also making max money, so you can't use him that way. There's a lot of confusion going around, so Luka is not being used to his extent, so he's forcing the ball a lot. Still shooting 45% from the field and still shooting 33% from three, which isn't amazing, but he has a massively high volume and he's still averaging just under three threes a game. His turnovers are insane. He's up there with Russell Westbrook territory. That is not a conversation that you want to be in. 
averaging 4.6 turnovers per game. He's forcing a lot of the ball, but he has to shoulder a huge weight because, again, like I said, no secondary playmakers. You have Jalen Brunson, who, great role player, great backup point guard. It's Jalen Brunson, guys. Don't expect much. Luka Doncic deserves to be an all-star with those kind of numbers, with that kind of efficiency. He's here. He's having a down year, but his down year are guys that people in the NBA wish that they can have that type of down year. So if he was more efficient, very similar to where he was last year, where he was a low-key MVP candidate, he'd be a guaranteed all-star and he'd probably push out Chris Paul for that spot. But he's just not making that impact from a full game perspective that Chris Paul's making it. So Luka gets much the reserve role. Another guard in the lineup, Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell is a hub of offense for the Utah Jazz, the number three ranked team in the NBA. They are a top five team on defense. They are a top five team on offense. Donovan Mitchell is here being a part of both sides. Being he's only six foot one, the fact that he's able to contribute a very high regard on the defensive end, playing next to another small guard in Mike Connolly, is not seen very well. The last time you saw success like that was when Fred VanVleet was playing with Kyle Lowry, who was able to take on a guard, bigger guards. Donovan has an extremely strong frame. He's a very burly guard. People have compared him to Dwayne Wade from his just natural stockiness and his natural athleticism. Donovan Mitchell is averaging 25 points. He's averaging five assists and just under four boards. He's also averaging just under two, two steals per game. So Donovan's here being able to kind of be that nitty-gritty guy, but also leading the team. I do think Donovan's future is at a point guard level because of his size. I think it'll bring a lot out of him to be able to play with a bigger wing. Once Mike Connolly does start to move, whether to the bench or out of the NBA, <laughs> I think it's super exciting in that sense to see Donovan start to grow into what his future looks like in the league. And that's a point guard. He's a combo scoring guard. You put him into a Dame Miller spot to be able to kind of grow into his offense and really run through the scoring hub and just run and gun as he goes. You're going to see some insane numbers from Donovan Mitchell. But the way that he's playing right now and the efficiency level, he's shooting 46% from the field, his highest in the game. 36% tied in his career. So Donovan's doing it on an offensive end on an offensive end that we haven't seen from him. So I may talk a lot of junk about the Jazz. Donovan deserves a lot of shine in that. And he deserves it. Draymond Green. You can't say enough great things about Draymond Green. And if you don't think Draymond Green's an all-star, then you just look at stats. Draymond Green fills up the stat sheet in every which way of so many different aspects. And he is the best defender in the NBA. It's just what he is. Draymond Green can do things that other players just physically dream of. Draymond Green is averaging eight rebounds, eight assists, eight points, 1.5 steals, 1.2 blocks. He is the number one ranked defender from a PER standpoint and from an efficiency standpoint. The fact that he can make an all-star team since you're averaging eight, eight, and eight speaks to how insane he is and how important he is. He's the number one player when it comes to plus and minus. He is shooting 55% from the field while shooting just about 32% from three. Not a great three-point shooter. We understand that he only makes he only makes and takes 0.4 per game. So you take it or leave it. He's not there. He is the secondary playmaker to Steph Curry. The offense runs through Steph Curry, but the chemistry that he has with Draymond Green is insane. Not a single player assists anybody more on a teammate than Draymond Green assists Steph Curry. Draymond Green deserves this spot 
because of what he does on an all-encompassing NBA level. Very similar to what you're going to see in the next candidate. From a defensive standpoint, from an offensive standpoint, he's a hub. He is the perfect teammate. And you have to reward these type of players to make people want to play defense and saying, hey, I can be an all-NBA defensive player of the year and make an all-star team because they reward it. You don't have to always be a 30-point scorer. You saw the year, uh, two years prior when Bradley Beal averaged 30 points. Didn't make an all-star team because he was a complete negative on the defensive end. Devin Booker once averaged 27 points per game. Didn't make an all-star team. It's great to see guys like Draymond Green get their shine and be able to make an all-star team averaging eight points, eight rebounds, eight assists. So brings me a little love back in the back in the Ben Wallace days. So it's cool to see. Way to go, Draymond. Next, kind of just shout it out there. Uh, a personal arch enemy of mine that I've talked a lot of junk about. He does deserve this spot, and that is Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert is the pure defensive hub for the Utah Jazz in the regular season. Rudy Gobert is averaging a career high in points of 15.4 points per game. He's averaging 15 boards. He's also averaging 2.3 blocks per game. He is averaging 71% from the field, which is fantastic. He is super uberly efficient. He is an insanely good tryhard. I really don't know how to put it. He has a very high work ethic. He is so passionate about the game of basketball and what he's able to do on the offensive and defensive end. He is just very limited. He, he is what he is. He is a 14-point player. He is going to get you 14 to 15 boards. He's going to shoot around 70% from the field goal, but he's just layup and dunks. You're not fitting Rudy Gobert down on the post. He's not out there demanding the ball. He's not getting you 20 and 10 in that sense, and he's not making smaller defenders pay. And it's always been, unfortunately, Rudy Gobert's Achilles heel until Rudy Gobert can take a player like Draymond Green, who's only six foot six down low and buy him and score over him. Rudy Gobert is not going to be able to take that next level. And I've said it before, and I will continue to say it when you make the kind of money that Rudy Gobert makes, it comes with the territory. You're a superstar in the mind of money. When you make $200 million, you have to take that leap. Yes, you deserve to be an all-star with what you do on the offensive, defensive end. He's the top three player when it comes to PER, when it comes to efficiency. He's there. Rudy Gobert is there 100% of the way. It's non-deniable. The statistics are there. The analytics are there. He deserves to be an all-star. He is probably realistically going to be an all-NBA candidate. It's going to happen. But if this team wants to win and the number one and number two options are Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert has to commit more to the offensive end. And if he's not going to do that, this team will not make it far. And it's unfortunate because Donovan Mitchell is an awesome player. Mike Connolly is so dope for the grit and grind era. He's getting up there in age. It's going to come to a point where they have to look at Rudy Gobert and saying, is this it? Is this who he is or can he grow more? He already has enough data to prove that this is pretty much who he is. But you've seen some players like Julius Randle kind of take that next step in their career when given the opportunity. I think they need to kind of give Rudy Gobert the opportunity and force him to do it because if he doesn't, the Utah Jazz are who we thought they were. Next up, Carl Anthony Towns. I'm giving a nod to another big man. Carl Anthony Towns is out here doing some damn good things. And I'm giving the nod to Carl Anthony Towns over a snub who you could make the argument for, but I'm going to give it to Cap because of how the Timberwolves have been playing over the past couple months. The Timberwolves are fighting for that playing spot, and they're actually currently in that 10th seed. 
They're right there. They're making a come up, and he's playing really well with Anthony Edwards and unfortunately not being dragged down as much with D'Angelo Russell. Cat Cat is averaging 25 points, nine boards, and just under two blocks. Cat has come out and proclaimed that he is the greatest big man shooter in the history of the NBA, who clearly forgot that Dirk Nowitzki actually walked this earth. Cat is putting his money where his mouth is, and he's actually making attempts on defense. This is the first time in Carl Anthony Towns' career that he is a positive on defense. That has never happened before. I do attribute that to Anthony Edwards. I think Anthony Edwards just brings that, like, just spunk and that moxie about him that Jimmy Butler did bring. But Carl Anthony Towns was way too immature to be able to understand it, and he took it way too much as an ego hit. And Cat, I'm hoping takes it in a much more positive light and takes it and runs with it because this team is so young and you have guys like D'Angelo Russell, you have guys like Anthony Edwards, you have guys like Malik Beasley who are young and are ready to take the next step, Jamie McDaniels as well. Something's got to give when you have a superstar making this max money, very similar to like a Rudy Gobert standpoint. Like, what are you going to do? Like, what's your matchup? Yes, you're a great offensive hub, but if you're an anchor center, are you going to be able to slide your feet in the pick and roll or are you just going to get picked apart matchup-wise when you're playing a team like the Phoenix Suns, when you're playing a team like the Utah Jazz, when you're playing a team like the Golden State Warriors? At some point, something's got to give for Carl Anthony Towns, and he needs to improve himself on the defensive end, and for him to be able to step up and even be a plus defender and being an above-average defender is a massive step for him. So he deserves to be that all-star candidate because he is an offensive hub. To be able to be a 25, 9, and 4 player while shooting 38% from three is huge. And he's super efficient from the field, just regular-wise, being 52% from the amount of jump shots that he takes from mid-range, post-fadeaways. He's an incredibly efficient player on the offensive end, so to be able to get anything above a negative on the defensive end is a huge pat on the back. I think this team does have his limitations, while D'Angelo Russell does still play the point guard position for them. Uh, he's a massive negative on the defensive end, but Carl Anthony Towns deserves to be an all-star over a snub that you will see shortly. The last reserve spot, I'm going to give it to Devin Booker. You can't not include Devin Booker in these conversations with how good the Phoenix Suns have been playing and how important that he is to this team. Statistically-wise, he's having a down year point-wise. He's up in efficiency. You look at Devin Booker. Devin Booker's averaging 23 points per game. He is averaging just under five assists, and he's just averaging five rebounds. He's shooting the best three-point percentage he's ever shot. He's averaging 42% from three. Devin Booker has always been called an elite shooter. He's never shot higher than 36% from three. I had no idea. I just assumed that Devin Booker was a fantastic shooter. He has taken such a massive step up in the efficiency game and getting more involved in the paint, getting a lot more involved in the mid-range game, and learning a lot from Chris Paul, and the fact that he can take a couple steps back, not forcing threes, but being able to take and make them at a 42% clip, that's elite. That is an elite-type defensive like just player to be able to take that role and move into it. He's still an average defender. He's still slightly in that, you know, tailing that negative territory from an efficiency standpoint, but on the offensive end, he's shooting 45% from the field, 42% from three, and his turnovers are low. For a superstar of a pretty decent usage, the number two behind Chris Paul, he's averaging under three assists. That's fantastic when you can do that and be able to say that you're the number three offense and you average under three turnovers a game, and Chris Paul is doing the same. 
when your backcourt is averaging under five turnovers a game, that's unreal territory. That is no NBA team can say they even come close to that when Russell Westbrook averages almost as many turnovers as these two combined. All the power in Devin Booker. The Suns are an offensive hub. They're exciting to watch, and Devin Booker deserves a lot of credit to be able to take that that step back and saying, okay, I'm not going to force shots. I'm going to let Chris Paul get us into our sets, but when he's on the bench, I can be that lead guy and do it in spurts, but doesn't have to do it for you know, 30, 40 minutes a game. He can do it for 10 to 15 minutes a game and let Chris Paul work and say, I'm going to feed off Chris, dribble drive, get better shots. And he's kind of doing a little bit of what Zach Levine's doing with now with DeMar DeRozan, moving a little bit more off ball, getting more catch and shoot opportunities. And you see how efficient both these players are doing. I've always talked Devin Booker and Zach Levine in the same light. So to see them both do it and take those steps and increase their efficiency and being able to play with elite talent, they 100% deserve the All-Stars. And it's exciting to see them grow. I have two key snubs that I really want to really focus on. And the first one I think is pretty obvious, and that's Dame Lillard. I did not include Dame Lillard because of how absolutely atrocious the Portland Trailblazers are playing. And unfortunately, a lot of that does have to do with Dame Lillard. And it sucks. Dame Lillard is shooting 40% from the field. 40. Flat 40. He is, yes, he's averaging 24 points. Fantastic. That's great. He's shooting 33% from three. And he's averaging just over three turnovers a game. He is a massive negative on the defensive end. The Portland Trailblazers are the worst defense in the league for what will look like the second year in a row. And the seventh year in a row being a bottom five defensive team. They're they're just running out the same team over and over and over. Wash, rinse, repeat. Here it is. But they're somehow worse. It, It doesn't make sense. You saw them get absolutely drubbed. You watch highlights of this team playing on defense. They they look miserable. You saw a Luka Doncic-less Mavericks team absolutely destroy the Trailblazers the other night. And when Kristaps went for 36, 9, and 4 blocks, you would have thought Kristaps Porzingis was Carl You would have thought that he was a prime Dirk Nowitzki the way that this defense was. It made no sense. You're putting guys like Nasir Little and Rocco on Kristaps and like stretching out Cody Zeller. It's just like, what are you doing? Like, what, what, where on earth does any of this make sense? And Dame is such a negative on defense. You can't forget about that. Trey Young, yes, he's a massive negative on the defensive end. What he brings offensively and efficiency is huge. Dame Miller is not being the offensive hub that we're used to seeing. He's not being able to, he's not being logo Lillard. He's not being Dame time. He's not out here shooting from 40 feet back and draining and waving to the crowd. He's being an extremely inefficient player, and he's scoring because nobody else can. CJ's out with a punctured lung, and someone's got to score, and that just had to be Dane Lillard. And he's just forcing shots, and I'm not going to give a guy that isn't playing well an all-star spot over a guy like John Moran or Donovan Mitchell. Those guys deserve it way more than Dane Lillard does, and that's kind of where we're at. The last spot I'm going to give it to is Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is a snub. He's a snub. He should not be in the All-Star game. I'm going to give it to Carl Anthony Towns over Anthony Davis because, again, the, the team factor has to be there. You have to incorporate the team era in this. And until you do that, how do you say Anthony Davis is deserving? He's in the same kind of light as, as Dame Lillard. He's averaging 23 points. He's averaging 10 boards. He's averaging three assists. 
but the Lakers are an absolute shit show. The Lakers are not good defensively, and Anthony Davis is supposed to be this massive defensive hub of a player, and they're in the bottom 10 defense. How is that possible? How are you going to say that you're this insane two-way force? You're shooting under 25% from three. No. 25%. Stop shooting. Get in the paint. Do pick and roll. Do pick and pop from mid-range. Stop shooting threes. He He's taking over two and a half attempts per game. Stop it. It's okay. But he has to spread the floor because you're playing with Wester Westbrook. You're playing with Taylor Horton Tucker. And you're playing with LeBron James. LeBron is shooting the most threes he's ever shot in his career for the third year in a row because nobody else is shooting. Anthony Davis is shooting 52% from the field and 70% from the free throw line. And he's not having his best year. He's turning the ball over two and a half times a game. He is a essentially a negative playmaker. He is averaging two and a half assists. Anthony Davis, if his appeal over Cat is that he's a two-way player, but they have similar defensive efficiencies this year, but Cat is a way better offensive player this year from an overall standpoint of being able to be that offensive hub that Anthony Davis just isn't. How are you going to give it to a guy like Anthony Davis over Cat? And I can't sit here and say that I'm going to do that. So Cat deserves the nod over Anthony Davis. And while he does have time, you know, it's only the end of December heading into January. And we still have a you know, whole month in January to kind of change that mindset. Until that happens, there's no way in hell that I'm giving Anthony Davis a spot over Carl Anthony Towns. And that officially wraps it up for Episode 7, the Western Conference All-Star Preview. I appreciate you guys coming by and giving us a listen. Don't forget to check us out on Spotify, as well as Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, at Courtside Views Podcast. Super excited for you guys to be along for the ride, and we'll see you next episode.